faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. And coming up on the podcast today, a 10-year-old Florida boy has gone viral for his rant before the school board on the mask mandate. Uh, DC Talks, Kevin Max is deconstructing his faith. And Planned Parenthood has sued Lubbock, Texas for being a sanctuary city for the unborn. And Black Lives Matter has effectively pledged solidarity with Hamas. We will have all of these stories and more, uh, as always, with Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com. Trey, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's I, I'm always up for a story about a 10-year-old like owning <laughs> government government officials. This so. Is so much common sense. You know, it's the common <laughs> sense we need today. Uh, and it comes from a 10-year-old. And, uh, you know, we're going to yeah. have a, a few of his comments here. But uh, a lot of common sense there. And I think he is going viral because he basically said what I think a lot of, a lot of people are, uh, are, uh, are thinking at this point. So, yeah. all right. So why don't we just dive right into it? Story... Uh, number one, and this is the 10-year-old Florida boy who slammed his local school board during a public meeting last week, calling the district's mask mandate unfair to kids during a, an emergency session on reopening guidelines. The clip has now gone viral, and for good reason. Uh, here's a portion uh, of what he said. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there's a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. And they broke out in cheers uh, at that line. Uh, but the 10-year-old boy is named John Provenzano, and he's a student at Felix A. Williams Elementary School in Martin County. That's in Florida. And uh, he argued for the school to, quote, please make masks optional today because, quote, it would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. So despite him going viral, unfortunately, his plea fell on deaf ears as the board, the school board voted to keep masks mandatory for the last couple of weeks of the school year. And they will be optional uh, when summer school starts. But uh, I'm not sure the logic behind that one. Summer school starts on June 1st. It's <laughs> in the, I'm not sure what's going on between these two weeks and then, but uh, I'm sure they had reasons. Uh, and um, as more and more Americans become... Uh, vaccinated and covid cases continue to plummet um you got 16 states now uh reporting no covid deaths so uh this you know this very questionable uh and and the the message is resonating clearly with a lot of people i think for that reason so what's the left saying on this one well you got mika brzezinski you know kind of echoing a, a lot of the sentiment on people on the left they want to follow the science they're saying but uh, she said if you want to follow the science, you should follow my lead and still wear the mask, despite being vaccinated when you're around possibly unvaccinated people. And this is part of that confused messaging from many on the left who are still 
kind of overly cautious despite um, despite saying they want to follow the science. The science is showing that there's really not much spreading happening, especially outdoors with kids. So what's the right saying? Well, the, the general stance on the right, as we've talked about, Trey, has been that if you want to wear the mask, then wear it. But, but uh, let's yeah. stop making people... Uh, you know, do so when the science, uh, you know, is again showing uh, that that especially places outdoors, there's just it's it's marginal at best the the impact that wearing the mask uh, is having. So so why does this matter? Well, you know, it matters in particular um, for kids because these these low rates of transmission are they're just so low. The danger is so low for these kids. And here's a kid that's in Florida for crying out loud, trying to play outside. Where you know, if you've ever been in Florida. It's hot there. The the sun is just different in Florida. It hits you different. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine trying to be a kid and, and run around and playing with a mask. It's got to be unbearable. Um, and so, yeah. you know, it, it's it's been a, you know, a lot of people think it's enough is enough with the mask with the kids at the school. Get them back into school. Get them back to normal. Um, he went on to say in there, Trey, that he saw his teacher out in public wearing not wearing a mask. And she didn't even recognize him because he didn't have a mask on. And he was like, I always have my mask on at school. So she doesn't even know what my face looks like. Uh, so his message is going viral. Yeah. I mean, he gave a good speech to his credit. Yeah. I mean, he did a he did a good job uh, sharing his thoughts and like being respectful, but yeah. also uh, calling out the hypocrisy, which I think is why that resonated with so many people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was when you were reading Mika Brzezinski's reaction, <laughs> I was really hoping I, he kind of had me at the beginning when she said, if you want to follow the science, I was like, oh, right, maybe she's going to get it. And then she's like, the best way to follow the science is to not follow the science. Yeah, essentially. Uh, what she said there. And even like you mentioned in Florida in particular, it just seems like these little kids are playing outside. Even the, the CEO of Disney, uh, they just rolled back some of their mask mandates. They're no longer requiring anybody to wear them when they're outdoors, uh, you know, in the theme parks. And even he, the CEO of Disney, he said, I mean, if you've been in Florida uh, in, in peak summer, uh, wearing a mask is quite a daunting task yeah. because it's just so hot. Mm. It just, uh, you know, it just seems unreasonable, particularly with little kids, to yeah. make them continue to wear masks uh, when we're no longer wear, allow, requiring a lot of adults to wear masks anymore. Uh, and kids aren't even spreading this. So it just uh, it just seems all over yeah. the place. And, and not much of it seems rooted in anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Story number two. So uh, Kevin Max, uh, he's uh, a member of the, the popular Christian band uh, DC Talk. Uh, he announced over the weekend that he's now an ex-evangelical, uh, noting he's been deconstructing his faith uh, for what he said has been decades. So he dismissed some on social media who claimed he's no longer a Christian. Uh, he said he didn't say that uh, and clarified he now follows the quote-unquote universal Christ, though he didn't really explain exactly what that means. Uh, Max has talked about this before, though. Uh, in December, he said on the Decent Christian Talk podcast uh, that people should embrace deconstruction when they begin to have doubts or questions, or if they begin to have doubts and questions. Uh, he said, I feel like anybody out there going through it, they should just embrace it. If they're a believer, they should have these deep conversations with the God they believe in and really struggle with it and talk to him uh, about it. He went on to say he does believe God cares about my progression and asking questions and wanting to know what is real and what isn't real. Uh, Max said, I don't think uh, the God that I believe in is going to just all of a sudden ignore me because I don't believe every single thing that's written down somewhere. Uh, he was 
presumably referring to scripture uh, there. Uh, so this is not really a left uh, or right issue, uh, you know, at least not explicitly. But it is a story that we as Christians need to pay attention to, uh, so it matters for that reason, uh, because this is part of a growing trend, like the deconstruction thing. Uh, I think Max does have it right, though, at least in one area, and that's when he said that God cares about his faith journey, and he cares about the questions he has. I think that's—I know that to be true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I spoke with uh, apologist Sean McDowell a few weeks ago, Dan, and we talked about this on the podcast, uh, just talking about the deconstruction thing, uh, like it, it becoming a trend that's just we're seeing more and more of, I think particularly within the social media uh, age. Uh, and he said that the best way to ground your faith uh, and to avoid having to, you know, not not to avoid questions, but to avoid your faith falling apart, uh, he said, is having a really sound theological framework. Uh, he said, we'll be less tempted to jettison our faith uh, because we have a good biblical theology, namely the sinfulness of human nature and our capacity uh, for deception, which I think is a good point. I think we're all prone to these these arguments that let us fall into our sin, right? Like if something is, is enticing because it lets us behave how we want to behave, it's easy to let our theology fall apart at that point. Uh, McDowell also said that we should be careful not to equate secondary issues with the primary issue, uh, which of course is Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. He said that happens a lot uh, in Christian circles is we'll take these secondary theological issues that are important and we should debate and discuss and we'll make them primary. Uh, he said that's, you know, like I said, that's not to say the other stuff isn't important. Uh, it's really important, he said, but we shouldn't prioritize other theological issues so much that it might lead somebody to abandon ship because they're not really sure what they think about these secondary and, you know, third issues. Uh, even, you know, as long as they've got the main stuff right, uh, we can debate the other stuff is, is his point. And I think that's important. But I, the big issue here with Max that I'm seeing is him saying, that God doesn't really necessarily care if I don't agree with all of scripture. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's where the, the debate kind of starts to fall apart or the argument starts to fall apart. Uh, we need to believe in all of scripture. Uh, Cause if you don't, like we've said so many times on the podcast, yeah. if you start compromising on that, it's pretty difficult to put the pieces back together. Yeah. And you can, I mean, we've said it a million times, Trey, but you can see it coming when somebody starts picking and choosing, you cannot have this a la carte, um, well, I kind of like this part and I kind of don't like this part. Once you start doing that, you are leading yourself down a path where why does any of it matter? Uh, and, yeah. and uh, you know, that's exactly sort of what's happening here. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Bible says that all scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction in righteousness. So it's like, all of it. It's not just well, this part doesn't work. And then again, when you when you when you take out a part you don't like, and you say eh, I don't like that one, now you've made yourself God. You're you're putting yourself in the position of God. You're deciding what's important and, and what's yeah. not. And and as we've said, then the question becomes, well, why do you believe in the resurrection then? If you don't believe this part, or you don't believe that part, then why does the resurrection matter? And um, and then you can start having views like that that God doesn't can't really care about that. That is a view clearly not one uh, tethered to any sort of scriptural argument whatsoever. And I, and I think it's yeah. transparent, Trey, when, when we see people doing this sort of thing, their arguments aren't really based in, in scripture. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big thing for people who, who remain in the faith, who still are uh, convinced of, of, of scripture and of, and that Jesus is who he says he is, I think we should be welcoming of questions. And that was something yeah. that Sean McDowell told me. Uh, he said, you know, if somebody is sincerely bringing you their doubts or bringing you their questions, 
we shouldn't shy away from that. He said, we have a long history of brilliant people uh, who have answered so many of these theological questions, who have debated it and discussed it over the years. We shouldn't be afraid of those questions. It's just that it needs to be an honest conversation. Yeah. If somebody has doubts and they sincerely want to explore that, we should be willing to come alongside saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but how about you and I figure it out together? And, I, you know, I, I think that's the way that we can maybe push back against this trend. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be praying certainly for, um, for, for him as he's going through this and anyone who's sort of in that yeah. doubting phase and just pray that God would draw them uh, back to him and back to, back to scripture. So, uh, we'll be, yeah. we'll be doing that for sure. All right. Uh, let's hit in to story number three. And this one involves Planned Parenthood and we have, um, Planned Parenthood hitting back, uh, at the city of Lubbock, Texas. Uh, after they sued, uh, well, they sued uh, the city of Lubbock, Texas, after Lubbock had passed an ordinance that would ban abortions uh, in the city. The lawsuit was filed in federal court on Monday, and Lubbock had recently become what's called a sanctuary city for the unborn. Uh, And Planned Parenthood previously sued a group of smaller East Texas towns who passed similar ordinances, but uh, later withdrew that lawsuit. The lawsuit Uh, claims that the ordinance is unconstitutional since it, quote, imposes substantial liability on anyone who procures, performs, aids, or abets an abortion in Lubbock, be it a doctor, nurse, relative, friend, stranger, etc. The ordinance will prevent plaintiffs from providing abortions in Lubbock and will seriously impede access to abortion. I think that's kind of the point. Uh, Consequently, the ordinance plainly violates the constitutional right to abortion. should be noted that the Constitution does not mention anywhere Uh, about a right to have an abortion. Uh, Lubbock officials, in turn, released a statement uh, saying that they vowed to vigorously defend this ordinance uh, in the United States District Court in uh, the Northern District of Texas uh, Lubbock Division. So what's the left saying? Well, Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas said that they're standing up for the rights of Lubbock patients to make their own medical decisions. Uh, The executive director for Planned Parenthood there um, in uh, Texas said that Lubbock, the Lubbock ordinance and the six-week ban passed in the Texas legislature are blatant attempts to push abortion care out of reach for people who need it most. Planned Parenthood's committed to doing everything it can to protect its patients and essential reproductive health care. Others added that women will continue to get abortions more illegally and dangerously thanks to you. Your action does nothing to reduce abortions. What's the right saying? Well, this is a new tactic um, kind of on the right that they're using, focusing on the local laws they see this as a way, a new way to protect the unborn rather than just trying to go after Roe v. Wade. And uh, the Texas Right to Life director and media communications uh, director there, Kimberly uh, Schwartz, said in a statement that unsurprisingly Planned Parenthood, which profits off the death of preborn children, is throwing a hodgepodge of complaints at the court and seeing what they can get to stick. In passing the ordinance, Lub- Lubbockites acted within their constitutional rights of self-governance and within the scope of the current U.S. Supreme Court abortion jurisprudence. The ordinance language is solid and was carefully drafted in expectation of the abortion industry filing a lawsuit. So so why does this one uh, matter, Trey? Well, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, we're in the early stages of this sanctuary city for the for the unborn uh, movement. And um, uh, if it catches on, we could see more cities begin to enact similar ordinances. I mean, Lubbock's just one of the bigger cities in Texas. This passed with 62%. So this will be interesting to see if this mm-hmm. thing uh, sort of catches on. 
Yeah, I think it is interesting to see that, like, at the same time uh, that a lot of these local, you know, cities and states are even are passing these bills uh, that are making abortion more difficult and are putting more restrictions on abortion. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the Supreme Court is getting ready to hear a case uh, potentially that could, you know, help they could revisit Roe v. Wade uh, again uh, in in the coming months. So it's interesting to see all of this happening Uh, at the the same time. I'm not sure what it's going to ultimately mean as far as the Supreme Court goes. Um, But I do think you're right about this being kind of a new strategy for uh, the pro-life crowd. And it's interesting to see how it's it's playing out. And I think ultimately uh, it seems that that maybe like the the trend culturally is going to be toward the pro-life side uh, because I think more and more people are starting to to realize the the moral issue with abortion, yeah. uh, and it, like the the biggest indicator that that's the case to me is that the left is they no longer use the word abortion uh, when they have this conversation. Like they've taken all the scientific yeah. terms or any sort of word that would kind of indicate what's actually happening uh, when abortion takes place. They've stripped all of that language out, uh, which to me kind of signals okay, I guess they're they're realizing. Yeah, people are not really on board once they hear what yeah. actually is taking place, and 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 when they're when the the facts are put in front of them, uh, it's a little harder to be to be for abortion. Yeah, and it's good to see you know um, for those who are pro life that the, that these cities are sort of going after this and really taking it seriously because I think the pro life the pro choice movement has so as you said used that language sort of just makes it about things like choice things like yeah. reproductive rights, uh, anything that just distracts from what is actually happening there. And it's really amazing how um, people's eyes have been blinded. You know, you look at the Old Testament sometimes and you think, how could they be fashioning idols, you know, 10 minutes after Moses goes up the, <laughs> goes up the mountain to, to, you know, get the Ten Commandments and everything. It's like, then they're down there fashioning idols. Hey, he's not back. I guess we better make some idols. <laughs> and, you know, and you think, how can they do something so ridiculous? Uh, especially yeah. when they're witnessing what they're witnessing. And then you see stuff like this and it's like unborn children clearly being you know, slaughtered and killed and their lives terminated. And just because it's, you know, uh, hard to see, uh, you know, when you're not the person there, you know, you just you never saw the person, you never met them, et cetera. Uh, it, it is just mind boggling to me that this is something I think we're going to look back on and decades and be like wow i can't believe that was a thing i can't believe that was a thing yeah. in america you know like slavery i mean you can it's probably similar to slavery you know in the middle of slavery people probably just their blinders were up and they just didn't you know didn't uh really consider what they were doing and their hearts were just closed to that i would imagine it's going to be something similar i hope it is anyway that we look back on it and go wow what were we thinking yeah, I think unfortunately it's like I think it's just human nature when we're in sin collectively, like when there's any sort of cultural sin, whether it be slavery or it be the trend with abortion. I think when 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 you're so consumed by it and you're right in the middle of it, uh, it's hard to it's hard to see it. And even if you do see it, it there's so much cultural pressure uh, that it's tough to fight yeah. back against. Uh, but I think the the key thing is that people who are who have this moral conviction, just like abolitionists, need to stay the course because of, you know that groundswell is eventually what's going to lead uh, to culture turning around. Uh, so I definitely you know don't be discouraged. Keep you know keep keep on keeping on because I think uh, uh, eventually, like like you said, I hope and pray culture does come to our side uh, on on this issue. Yeah.
Absolutely. So, all right. Story number four. So uh, the official Black Lives Matter organization announced Monday its quote-unquote solidarity uh, with Palestinian liberation, which is in effect backing Hamas, uh, the militant terror group that controls the Gaza Strip and has been responsible for a lot of, uh, most of, or all of the bombing that's been that's been happening, targeting Israel uh, over the last several days. So uh, this is uh, what, what the organization stated on Twitter. Uh, Black Lives Matter stands in solidarity with Palestinians. We are a movement committed to ending settler col- colonialism in all forms, and will continue to advocate for Palestinian uh, liberation. The organization added that it will always side with Palestinians. So there have been several pro-Palestine marches across the country recently. During one protest in Los Angeles, uh, through an area with a lot of Jewish people, uh, protesters actually started throwing things at Jewish people sitting uh, at a restaurant uh, as they were driving down the street, you know, waving Palestinian flags. So some of it has gotten even violent. Uh, the, the Black Lives Matter chapter in Patterson, New Jersey, released a statement calling Israel a repressive apparatus uh, and condemned the Jewish country for defending its own land. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, Representative Cori Bush, uh, she's has been she's kind of part of the squad uh, in in Congress and has been very pro uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and has been pretty outspoken in her opposition to Israel. Uh, she seemingly accused the Jewish state of uh, apartheid. Uh, She said, the fight for black lives and the fight for Palestinian liberation are interconnected. We oppose our money going to fund militarized policing, occupation, and systems of violent oppression and trauma. We are anti-war, we are anti-occupation, and and we are anti-apartheid. So in 2016, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, then endorsed the boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign, a a well-known anti-Semitic campaign against Israel, which calls for countries to cut off uh, both economically and politically uh, the Jewish state. Uh, The group said that uh, Israel, at at the time they said this, uh, they said Israel is complicit in the genocide taking place against the Palestinian people. Uh, So what's the right saying? Well, many have condemned the Black Lives Matter organization uh, for siding with Hamas. And it hasn't only been conservative people, uh, though, like I said, a lot of it has been from the right. Conservative singer Joy Vila, uh, she said, it's no surprise to see terrorists supporting terrorists. That's what what her words were. Uh, Israeli commentator David Lang said, this is proof that Black Lives Matter is a profoundly anti-Semitic organization. Uh, And human rights attorney Brooke Goldstein pointed out that Hamas, which has controlled Gaza since 2007, uh, is a terror group putting even Palestinians in harm's way. Uh, She condemned Black Lives Matter for siding with what she described as the oppressor of innocent Palestinian Arabs uh, for partisan gain. So why does it matter? I think Goldstein is exactly right. Uh, And I think, unfortunately, we live in an age that's like, Twitter diplomacy. Uh, you know, if, if, if it sounds good and a tweet could go viral uh, or a video could go viral on TikTok, uh, then that's that's the right position to have. Uh, and we'll go with that. You know, I think it's really concerning to see such a huge organization, Dan, like Black Lives Matter, yeah. uh, effectively throwing in fully with Hamas. Like it's just uh, they're unequivocally uh, no no caveats or anything uh, and just broad brush stroking Israel as as the oppressor yeah. and an aggressor for retaliating uh, when an endless barrage of rockets have been fired at them into their territory uh, by, like I said, from the Gaza Strip, which is controlled entirely by Hamas. Yeah, it is it is really remarkable. And, you know, I've been watching this unfold and we talked about it on this podcast. But again, I, I'm just 
I'm just, it's still stunning to see the, the narratives that come out of the media. We, we talked about, it, I think on yesterday, how the media kind of stacks the story and says, Israel does horrible thing, blows up all this stuff. And then Hamas responds yeah. with rockets. It's like, that's not the order these things happen. Right. Uh, and then the other thing is the onus is always put on Israel. Israel is the one oppressing uh, these Palestinians trapped in Gaza. And it's and the, the truth of the matter is you have, as you said, Hamas, a terrorist organization. They're the ones running it in there. Yeah. Why aren't they getting the blame for how horribly they are treating and running this area and running Gaza? I mean, it's just a disaster there and the blame should fall squarely on them but then they just push it over to israel and then everyone falls in line and says oh yeah you're right it is israel's fault it's really insane um yeah. and madness and but i mean i'm not surprised from an organization that you know pro self-proclaimed trained marxists uh these are yeah. i mean it's it's sad but it's 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 an unshocking i think a uh, revelation that that's that's the position that they take yeah, and there's something that what that human rights uh, attorney that I mentioned, Brooke Goldstein, something else that she pointed out is, you know, particularly for Black Lives Matter, which is, you know, really pro-LGBTQ uh, here in the United States. Uh, she said, you know, Hamas is is not only you know opposed to homosexuality uh, they're killing gay people they're oppressing you know violently persecuting uh, people in the lgbt community there uh you know she's saying i don't understand how you can square that uh, how you yeah. as, an, as an organization can be uh, pro-LGBT when you're here in the United States, but then you can pledge unequivocally support for Palestine, which is led by Hamas yeah. uh, in Gaza, uh, when they're doing all of these awful, awful things uh, to gay people in, in, in there, you know, in Palestine, in Israel, in, in the Middle East. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it, it's completely hypocritical. Yeah, there's. Uh, see, Piper agrees. I hear Piper in the background I know. Uh, chirping up. But yeah, but yeah, I, I do think. And again, this is when you're seeing this with critical race theory. Um, it's about the oppressed groups, the oppressor and the oppressed. So, so they don't necessarily look. You know, I, I think it's you have these radical leftists that want radical left policies, and one of the vehicles they see to get them is to adopt and champion any group that they feel is oppressed by the system. And so they're not looking at it from a right yeah. and wrong perspective. And that is how I think they get to that place where they're supporting a terrorist organization that, that blatantly persecutes LGBTQ people uh, and then, you know, and then trying to champion LGBTQ people at the same time. They get to that place because they're starting places. We got to find the oppressed groups and rally them and uh, have them run to our cause and view us as champions of them. So they're they're I mean, a lot of times you have these people just being used as political pawns. Uh, and so it's it's kind of kind of sad to see but uh, we will continue praying for that because that the the violence has not stopped yet the fighting the back and forth has not stopped there in in uh israel and in um you know gaza so uh, our prayers will be with something to happen there that this this can settle down so uh, also prayers too for yeah. people trey in louisiana there's some severe flooding down there if you head over to cbn news our parent mm -hmm. company uh check out there uh, man you're gonna see some shocking images of of flooding and uh, in, in Louisiana. So uh, prayers out uh, to them as well. So for sure. as always, uh, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. We will see you next time.